I'm going to ask if you'll open your Bibles this morning to the book of Joshua, chapter 4. I'm going to ask you if you'll stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read the entire chapter, and I want to speak to you this morning on the topic, what do these stones mean? 100 years and counting. Joshua chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now, when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulders according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later, saying, what do these stones mean to you, then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever." Thus the sons of Israel did as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, just as the Lord spoke to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. And they carried them over with them to the lodging place, and put them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan at the place where the feet of the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing, and there they are to this day." For the priests who carry the ark were standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed. And when all the people had finished crossing, the ark of the Lord and the priest crossed before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over in battle array before the sons of Israel, just as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 equipped for war crossed the battle before the, crossed the battle before the Lord to the desert plains on Jer- of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, so that they revered him just as they had revered Moses all the days of his life. Now the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant that they may come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest saying, come up from the Jordan. It came about when the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had come up from the middle of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up to the dry ground that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and went over all its banks as before. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the eastern edge of Jericho. Those twelve stones which they had taken from the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. He said to the sons of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what 
are these stones? Then you shall inform your children, saying, Israel crossed this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up, which he dried up before us until he had crossed, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we pray in Jesus' name that your Spirit would take your Word and use it in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. That was an historic day in the life of the nation of Israel when God allowed the people of Israel to cross the Jordan on dry land. It was a day that He wanted cemented in their minds, and He wanted the generations to come to have cemented in their minds what God had done on behalf of His people. And so Joshua had 12 men, one from each tribe, take up a stone from the middle of the Jordan River, which had ceased flowing so that the people of God could cross over. And they took those 12 stones and built a memorial at Gilgal, which was to be a reminder to the people of Israel of what God had done for them in their past, so that in the present they would come to trust and believe in God more fully, and so that they could instruct their children that in the future God was worthy of being followed and obeyed. Twice in this passage, we see the question, what do these stones mean? Well, that's what I want us to consider this morning. What do 12 stones in the history of this church mean for us as a present congregation and to our children as a part of a future congregation? On January the 16th, 1906, a Sunday school was formed by S.B. Capel and Oakdale Baptist Church. It met in various houses and various locations for a number of years. Uh, this was the inception of what would eventually become the Ninth and O Baptist Church. Stone two is in 1909. In 1909, the Sunday school organized as a church plant under Capel's leadership. Sixty members were a part of that Sunday school class, and that class became the Ninth and O Baptist Mission because of its proximity to Ninth and O Streets. Stone Three took place ten years later, August 15, 1916. On that date, the Ninth and O Baptist Church was established with a membership of 177 people. Pastor O.L. Smith was the inaugural pastor of the Ninth and O Baptist Church. If you've been with us for 10 years, you'll remember that 10 years ago we celebrated the 100th anniversary of the establishment of Ninth and O Baptist Church as a Sunday school. The reason that we did that, rather than waiting 10 years and, and, and just celebrating this historic day when we were established as a church, is we had a lot of members of our congregation that we knew would go to be with the Lord 
before this day, and indeed they, indeed they have. And that was a glorious day in 2006 when we gathered together at the fairgrounds in Louisville, Kentucky, and celebrated the inauguration of 9th and OSA Sunday School. But here today, we commemorate 100 years as a congregation. And what God was saying to Israel in this passage, God was saying that there are some things you should never forget. There are some things that need to be memorialized. There are some things that you need to always remember because those key events in the past become a motivation in the present to remind us that God can be trusted, God can be believed, that God can be followed. And as we believe in Him and trust in Him and follow Him, our children watch us, and our children are instructed, and thereby the future is confirmed that there are good days ahead for the people of God. I want to ask the question, what do these stones mean? They are an encouragement to the present generation of God's faithfulness to His people. As those stones were set up as a memorial at Gilgal, the people of God used Gilgal as a base of operation for their invasion of the promised land. It's from Gilgal that they would go to Jericho. It was from Gilgal that they would go to various places as they would rage against God's enemies a war to take the land that God had promised them. And as they would leave in the morning to go into battle, they would see those memorial stones and they would be reminded, God brought us out of Egypt with His mighty hand. And then they would be reminded even more particularly, God dried up the Jordan River so that we could cross the Jordan on dry land and enter the promised land. Gilgal was a place where the people of God would gain inspiration as they would go into war. And then when they would return from battle, weary and some of them suffering wounds and battle fatigue, they would see that memorial there and they would be reminded God is faithful to His people. God is faithful to His Word. God can be trusted today because we've seen what He has done in the past, and that means God has a plan for us in the future. Stone number four, on June 12, 1949, as this church continued to grow and to mature and to reach more and more people, under the able leadership of Dr. Roy McClung, Ninth and O Baptist Church built a new auditorium. If you've been a member here for a number of years, you'll remember that after Dr. McClung retired as president of Wayland Baptist University and lived a number of years in Texas near that university where he had such an instrumental role, he returned to Louisville and became a member of Ninth and O Baptist Church. Dr. McClung became our pastor emeritus. In fact, at the ceremony commemorating the 100 years of the inception of our church as a Sunday school class, we named Dr. McClung as pastor emeritus. There was no more faithful member during Dr. McClung's tenure with us after he returned than Roy McClung. There was no more faithful member of our congregation than Roy McClung. There was no more encouraging member in our congregation than Roy McClung. The 50s 
represented a decade of significant growth for our congregation, and that's stone number five. During John Haggai's tenure as pastor, from 1954 to 1957, Ninth and O became the first Baptist church in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention to baptize 500 people in a one-year span. Dr. Haggai was a visionary leader. He was a, he was a gregarious individual. He was a man who had a huge and dynamic personality. And God used him in those years to bring a lot of growth and stability to Ninth and O Baptist Church. Stone number six, 1957, during the tenure of Dr. Henry Beach, Ms. Rosalie Bennett mentioned Dr. Beach in her testimony. We recognized just a few weeks ago how Dr. Beach led the Ninth and O Baptist Church to become one of the first, first churches in Louisville, Kentucky to accept any Christian person into membership regardless of race or color. And Dr. Beach led our church to do that at a time when racial tension was very high in our country, and racial tension was extremely high in our own city. But under the leadership of Dr. Beach, the congregation of the Ninth and O Baptist Church said, we will stand for what is right regardless of racist tendencies that exist in our community. And in 1957, stone number six was placed on that memorial when Henry Beach in the Ninth and O Baptist Church said, if you believe in Christ and you are a part of His family, it doesn't mean what denomination or what race you come from, what your ethnicity is, you are welcome to be a part of our congregation. What do these stones mean? They are a reminder of the need to disciple the next generation of believers. They're intended to be a memorial to give us the opportunity to teach our children and our grandchildren how faithful God is to His people. The passage had this to say, let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, what do these stones mean? Then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. God was telling them that it is going to be difficult to pass along your spiritual heritage to your children. And it's very easy for our children to miss these monumental moments where God establishes His faithfulness to His people. And so, by setting up this memorial stone, God was saying to Joshua, tell the people of God to take every opportunity they have to teach their sons and their daughters that God can be trusted, God can be followed, God can be believed in, because God has proved Himself faithful in the past. That's one of the great, the great reasons to celebrate a day like today. 
for us to be able to talk with our children and our grandchildren what this day represents. Or for children to come as we attend worship together at the Ninth and O Baptist Church to say, you know, son, you know, daughter, do you know that this church has been in existence for over a hundred years? Through good days and difficult days, God has been faithful to the Ninth and O Baptist Church. Some of the great people I have ever known have been members of the Ninth and O Baptist Church. This is a church where people have committed themselves to follow Christ. This is a good place for us to be. Stone number seven. In the 70s, Ninth and O began a television ministry that by 1981 had a viewership of over 41,000 people. It began that television ministry under the, under the visionary leadership of Dr. Laverne Butler. And Dr. Butler became pastor in 1969. Dr. Butler is our longest ten- tenured pastor. And he led our church from 1969 until 1988. Laverne was recognized across the denomination as a gregarious leader committed to the Bible and a man filled with vision and ideas. Laverne Butler became one of the crucial leaders in the conservative resurgence of the Southern Baptist Convention. Laverne Butler spoke out for the veracity of Scripture, the truthfulness of Scripture, when this institution was committed to a liberalistic philosophy and theology that was steering our denomination away from the Bible. But Laverne Butler stood, along with a host of other brave, courageous leaders, to turn the tide of our denomination. It was during these years also that the Ninth and O Baptist Church began a bus ministry. Rosalie Bennett mentioned that just a few minutes ago. Dr. Elmer Towns, a church growth strategist, was teaching here at Southern Seminary a number of years ago, and he said that Ninth and O Baptist Church had one of the best and most wide-reaching bus ministries of any congregation in the United States of America. Not only was it one of the largest, but it was one of the most effective because it was committed to reaching not just the children that they brought in, but the parents of these children. Stone number nine, we simply call the move. After approximately ten years of decline, the church voted in 1995 by a 52 to 48 percent to move the congregation from Taylor Boulevard to Breckenridge Lane. That was a very tumultuous time in the history of our church, and 
We spent an entire evening leading up to this date, and we spent one evening talking about how difficult that period of time was and how hard it was for people that had lived their entire lives going to a church in a particular location to trust and believe that God was moving them and then to literally uproot themselves in order to either move closer to the church and to the new location on Breckenridge Lane or to be willing to drive literally across the city to that place. Stone nine is the move, and we're the beneficiaries of that move. What do these stones mean? These stones are evidence for the world concerning the true and living God. Listen to what Joshua wrote in Joshua 4.24, that all the pe- or 4.24, yes, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. The church exists for the glory of God. The church exists for the advancement of God's kingdom. And as God continues to work here at the Ninth and O Baptist Church, uh, we've seen God do tremendous things. For example, it was in April of 1997 that the church purchased the land on Breckenridge Lane to relocate. And it was in 1998 that that relocation took place. So the vote to relocate took several years until the culmination of the actual relocation. And in 1998, that relocation took place. In 2004, due to a growing membership, we added the Everett Miller Educational Building, a second worship service, and a second Bible fellowship group hour. Everett Miller is one of those legendary figures in the history of Ninth and O Baptist Church that I wish every member of our congregation would have had an opportunity to get to know. Everett Miller was a retired banker, and Everett Miller loved this church as much as anybody that I have ever known. And Everett Miller, when Everett Miller spoke, he was like E.F. Hutton. Everybody in our congregation listened. Not everybody listens to me. Everybody listened to Everett Miller. And Everett Miller had earned that respect and that stature by his faithful commitment to our church and making a very generous contribution to our church in 04 which led to the ultimately raising $900,000, we were able to to build the second phase of our church. Stone number 12. In the year 2000, our church gave approximately $5,000 to the cooperative program, to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Since 2001, we have given $2.25 million to missions through the cooperative program and our mission partnerships. That's $2.25 million that we could have done a lot of things with if we weren't committed to worldwide evangelization, if we weren't committed to giving to to the seminaries of our denomination, if we were a congregation solely concerned about building our own kingdom 
But we've given $2.25 million to the advancement of God's kingdom through the cooperative program and through our mission partnerships. Since 2003, we've sent over 800 people on approximately 60 mission trips from across the nation to literally around the world. Since 2005, we've, adopted, we've seen adopted in our congregation 39 children, many of them receiving scholarships through our orphan care ministry. This past fall, literally just a few weeks ago, we saw over 4,400 people attend our Fall Fest community outreach, which involved literally hundreds of volunteers from our own congregation. What do these stones mean? As we stand here today on the precipice of a new age in the life of our church, what do these stones mean? These stones mean that for 100 years, there have been men and women who love this church and have given a significant portion of their lives to serving it. They planted their homes and their families around this church. They determined that through good days and difficult days, they would stand with this church. They would invest their lives in this church. What do these stones mean? These stones mean God has given us a multitude of people who love Jesus Christ and demonstrate it through their commitment to the Ninth and O Baptist Church. What do these stones mean? These stones mean that for 100 years, families have followed God by sticking with this church, not allowing their own felt needs to drive them to other places, but determining, God brought me here, I will stay here. Not changing churches like, like many people change church, but saying, this is my church, the days today may be difficult days, but I'll pray harder, I'll work harder, I'll give more. But by golly, I won't leave. That's what these stones mean. What do these stones mean? These stones mean that for 100 years, God has demonstrated His faithfulness to this congregation, and that we who are here today are drinking from wells that we did not dig. We're, we're enjoying privileges that we didn't establish. That we are carrying on a tradition of faithful membership that believed then that today was a good day because God was here, and tomorrow will be a greater day because God will be with us there. It's a community of faith with a rich history and a bright future. What do these stones mean? These stones mean that there is still a mission to be accomplished until the return of Jesus Christ. There's still a reason for our existence. There's still a mission for us to accomplish 
there's still a task for us to complete, that until the return of Jesus Christ, we build our lives on Christ in this place because He is the builder of the church. We are here today because of what He has done. We are here today because He will build His church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And the reality is the gates of Hades have not prevailed against it. In the very good times of the past, God has showed Himself faithful. In difficult days, God has showed Himself faithful because God showed Himself faithful through His people. The Ninth and Old Baptist Church exists today because of men and women that believe the promise of Christ, He will build His church, and He's called me to be a part of it right here today. Today's a special day. It's a special day first for the glory of God because of what God has accomplished among us and what God has accomplished for us. It's a special day for, for people like Rosalie Bennett and those, those number of people that were standing that had been here 20, 25, 30, 35 years who committed that this is the place that God had called me and I'm not going to leave it because God is here. And God has a role for me to play right here. I'd like to lead us in a prayer, and then our worship team is going to come, and we'll be finishing up very shortly. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you today for memorials. We thank you for memorials that allow us to look back to the past at your faithfulness. Memorials that were built in the past that remind us that today you are with us, and that past faithfulness inspires us and encourages us to believe in a bright future. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the Ninth and O Baptist Church would shine ever more brightly here in Louisville, Kentucky, and literally around the world that we would be an army of soldiers committed to Christ and His kingdom and the building of His kingdom through the ministry of this church, and that you would use people like Rosalie Bennett and Martha Nurb Searles and a host of others to inspire us to plant our lives here. And Father, As people like that move on to be with you and people of my age move on to be with you, I pray in Jesus' name that those younger than me, much younger than me, would see that they could build a legacy right here, a heritage. That they could leave behind a memorial marker of faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.